0: is Richard. This is a weekly look at what it takes to live a passionate Christian life in the 21st century. It's our goal to encourage and inspire each other to become people who are glorifying to God, who are more and more like Jesus, and who are witnesses to the power and the reality of God's spirit and God's life in our life today we want to do a few uh, new things. One in particular, I want us to look at a book that I read recently that I finished a couple of weeks ago. It's a book called Compassion, Justice, and the Christian Life by Robert Lupton. Robert Lupton has been involved in inner city ministry in Atlanta, I believe, for over 30 years. Yes, it is Atlanta. And he's written this very interesting short book. It's less than 150 pages but it really looks at how we treat ministry to the poor in our uh, church especially his uh, his thesis is that we do it usually in such a way that we take away the dignity of the person who is uh, in need and also we do it in such a way that it sometimes perpetuates the cycles of dependency in other words sometimes you see a lot of times you see people the same people over and over again in need, You know, month after month, year after year, and it never ends and never changes. His desire is to see those cycles broken. And like I said, he's been on the front line here for over 30 years of uh, doing this kind of ministry. It's a great book. It's something that will really get you to, to think about how we do ministry to the poor, how we are involved in the lives of people around us that don't have as much. And I think it's a great book. It's not a perfect book. Like I said, it's very short. It's less than 150 pages, so it can't be a comprehensive look, but it's a great place to start. It's a great conversation starter for believers and for groups of believers who really want to make an effect on their community and on the world around them. So I totally recommend it. Uh, Like I said, it's by Robert Lupton. It's called Compassion, Justice, and the Christian Life. I believe it's put out by Regal Books And I got it on Amazon.com. I'm sure a, a local bookstore can order it for you also. Anyway, it's definitely worth a look. Now we're going to turn to the news. story. And remember when I look at the news, it's not necessarily the most important or the biggest stories of the day, but it's stories that especially talk about how Christianity and how Christians are relating to the culture around them, to the people that they come in contact with on a daily basis. Uh, So this story fits into that category pretty well, and it also might become a very important story. Uh, This is from the Christian Science Monitor of October 4th, 2007. It's a uh, story entitled, Are U.S. Troops Being Force-Fed Christianity? By James Lampman from the uh, CSM. Let me read a couple of paragraphs of it here for you. At Spiker Base in Iraq, U.S. Army Specialist Jeremy Hall got permission from a chaplain in August to post flyers announcing a meeting for atheists and other non-believers. When the group gathered, uh, Specialist Hall alleges, his Army Major Supervisor disrupted the meeting and threatened to retaliate against him, including blocking his re-enlistment in the Army. Months earlier, Hall charges, he had been publicly berated by a staff sergeant for not agreeing to join in a Thanksgiving Day prayer. On September 17th, the soldier and the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, the MRFF, filed suit against Army Major Freddie Wellborn and U.S. Secretary of Defense Robert Gates. They charged violations of Hall's constitutional rights, including being forced to submit to a religious test to qualify as a soldier. The MRFF plans more lawsuits in coming weeks, says Michael Mikey Weinstein, who founded the uh, military watchdog group. I just giggle when an adult is nicknamed Mikey. Anyway, um, the aim is to show there is a pattern of practice and practice of constitutionally impermissible promotions of religious beliefs within the Department of Defense. Uh, the story goes on to say that uh, many agree that there's a need for this watchdog group, but they question the conspiratorial view and some of its tactics. They say that religious, uh, dealing with religious issues is a complex matter, and the military is trying to adjust them appropriately. A Weinstein insists that uh, there are improper actions at high levels that imprin- infringe on sol- let me try that again infringe on soldiers' rights and also send the wrong message to people in the Middle East that those in the U.S. military see themselves engaged in Christian warfare. You know, this caught my attention for several reasons. Uh, one is because I think that we find ourselves in a place where we really have to be careful uh, because there are a lot of people that are not believers and who are vocally not believers uh, in every area of our lives. And so we walk a fine line between being offensive because our manner and because our... Uh, our attitude is arrogant and becoming offensive because the gospel is going to be offensive to some people. It seems that Mikey, uh, the uh, person who started the MRFF, if you read through the, uh, the story, and I'm going to give a link to it on our blog site, but uh, it seems like he's got uh, a problem with any kind of religious, uh, especially Christian, uh, displays on uh, military bases. And most people would disagree with that and say that you know people have a right to their free speech uh, protections. And there's a story in here about how there was a general a couple of years ago who was going around to churches giving uh, sermons, basically, about how God was helping him defeat the infidel uh, Muslims. <laughs> and he was doing it in uniform, basically as a representative of the, of the U.S. government. And I, I have real problems with that. Because if the shoe was on the other foot and this was a Muslim general... I wouldn't want him going around speaking in mosques and telling people that the God of Islam was helping him win the battles for America. We need to be careful, especially if we are in a position of power like that, um, that we use it wisely and judiciously. And I wouldn't have a problem with that general speaking as a citizen you know, without the uh, uniform which identifies him with the U.S. government, the U.S. military. But I do have a problem if he's, uh, again, using his uh, position to uh, force people to listen and to put, give more weight to his views because he is a believer who also happens to be a general. Anyway, my hope in this case is that we will see people freely able to give their religious beliefs, and frankly, I hope that we can be people who will whose lives will show the truth and the power of the claims that we make about Christianity. So we need to, uh, to re- reach this on two different levels, I believe. One, on the level of ideas, we need to be ready to share our faith and to defend our faith when it's necessary. And two, we need to be people who live as people of God. A lot of people don't believe in us because they don't see the reality of, of the truth of what we say in our lives. And that's that's a problem also. It's not really you know, in this uh, story, but it's another uh, problem. It's one of the reasons why you know people sometimes turn so Virulently against the church is because they don't see us backing up our words with what we say we believe. So I think we need to foster a an attitude of freedom, and an arena of freedom for any idea to be expressed. And at the same time, as believers, we need to make sure that we are living the life that God has called us to, leave, to live. And I think when we do that, does both of those things, which are vitally important. I think that we'll see God be glorified, and I think we'll pe- see people take seriously the claims that we make about Christianity. And now that's uh, my take on the news. Uh, let's look at what uh, Scripture has to say for us today. Okay, let's look. At A passage from God's Word. I've been reading through the Gospel accounts of the life of Christ and just reading a little just the words of Jesus because sometimes I get so busy reading other things, you know, I love books, but I get so busy reading other things and reading about the Lord that I forget sometimes just to read and see what Jesus actually had to say for himself and about himself. And this passage I was uh, looking at uh, was from uh, Mark chapter 5, and the story is also in Luke and in uh, Matthew. But in Mark 5, uh, the first 17, 18 verses, 19, really about the first 20 verses of Matthew chapter 5, it talks about a demon-possessed man in the uh, land of the Gerasenes, or the Gadarenes, as it's called in Matthew. And I was just uh, reading this passage and thinking about how it is that sometimes we can be so close to god and to god's work in our lives and the lives of others and yet completely miss out uh the story if you don't remember it is a story of a man who was demon possessed he lived in the the tombs it says and no one could bind him i guess they tried to uh, chain him up to keep him from being a danger i guess to himself and to others but he was so strong that nobody could subdue him and he just uh would just live amongst the tombs, it says he would cry out and cut himself with stones, and Jesus heals him, uh, he has a number of demons in him, Jesus causes the demons to uh, go into a herd of pigs, they go down a steep hill and drown in the uh, in the sea, and um, they're in the lake, I guess, uh, the lake of uh, Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. And uh, it just it, the response is what really interests me because the, the people who were tending to the pigs run into the country, run into the town in the countryside in uh, verse 14 of this uh, chapter, and the people come out to see what happened. When they see Jesus, it says in verse 15, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. You know, this was a guy that they knew. They knew this guy was a danger. They'd been knowing him all of their lives, probably. Um, and they were afraid, it says. And verse uh, 16 says, Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people, this is the part that just floors me, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And it just, it was remarkable to me, because here are people who had seen the very power of God, casting out demons healing a man that they knew for a fact there was something wrong with and now here he is in his right mind sitting at the foot of the savior and their response is please leave our town we don't want you around here anymore and Jesus does you know Jesus is uh you know does exactly what they asked him to do it says that Jesus gets in a boat and uh, you know he goes around to, goes down to the other side of the uh, lake but it's just uh, again it's fascinating to me that they could be that close to the power of God and miss it be that close to the Savior himself and miss miss what they were uh, what he was about Uh, and it just it strikes me that maybe there's a chance that even us as believers we can do the same thing that we can miss out on God's work and on God's uh, presence in our lives and I wonder how that can happen I mean you know we we are believers we have the Holy Spirit in us we have uh, Jesus himself Uh, working in us and for us, and yet I wonder if sometimes we miss it. I wonder if sometimes we are blind to God's work in our lives and the lives of people around us. Uh, You know, there's a reason why Revelation 3.20 is in the Bible, and a lot of people use that as a verse for salvation for people who aren't saved, but really Jesus is talking to those of us who are saved, and he's saying, you know, I'm standing at the door and knocking, and if you'll open it, I'll come in and fellowship with you. And I think there's a reason why he feels like he has to say that, even to his own people. You know, how do we miss out on God's work? I think, you know, sometimes because it's so unexpected. Uh, You know, this guy had been there all of his life. He'd been there probably, at least for a good portion of his life. He'd been there for years, no doubt. Demon-possessed, they couldn't figure out what to do with this guy. And... All of a sudden, he's healed. And they don't know what to do. It's totally unexpected. It's out of their their realm of experience. You know, I always look at the uh, the study that came out not too long ago, the survey that came out amongst for people who attend church regularly. And in that survey, 70% of them said they don't expect to encounter God when they go to services on Sunday morning. You can't imagine that. They don't ex- expect God's presence there... In their Sunday morning worship service, and I wonder if God showed up, and maybe He does show up, and they don't recognize it. But I wonder if God showed up one Sunday morning, if they would even know that He was there, because it's unexpected. And uh, we don't know if He, if it's out of our experience, and what's going to happen. You know, when this Jesus that shows up, and sometimes He does things that are kind of strange, like He casts out demons, and He throws them into a, uh, into a group of swine. So if Jesus is doing such odd and unusual things, are we going to be able to catch it? Are we going to be able to see what God is doing? So I think sometimes it's so unexpected, and we're not tuned in to looking at and for what God is doing, that we miss it. Uh, Wayne Jacobson in his podcast said something great a couple of weeks ago where he says that we live with expectations, but we don't live with expectancy. You know, we have a, a list of things that we want God to do for us, but we're not living with the expect with the expectancy that God is going to do something great and wonderful in our lives. And I think we need to recover that a little bit. I think also sometimes it's inconvenient when God's at work. You know, for these pig farmers and these pig uh, they're not shepherds, pig tenders, whatever you call a person who tends a pig. It was inconvenience. They lost their, their whole flock, their whole uh, herd. They lost. And for us, sometimes we don't want to give up something. Or we don't want to do something that God might call us to do. Uh, but you know, this guy, the man who was demon-possessed, would have left everything. In fact, it says in verse 18, is that it says, As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him to go with him. But Jesus said no. In fact, Jesus sends him on his way. And so, But this is the second part of it. If we see God at work, we see what God is doing and we get a real touch from him the possibilities are endless now look at this guy he's been demon possessed for years his life was a shambles one touch from Jesus one real encounter with Jesus and his life is completely different and completely better more amazing than anything he could possibly imagine and the thing that strikes me is this guy only met Jesus once he had never seen him before scriptures we don't know if he ever saw him again but he had this one touch with jesus and it completely turned him around and it made him completely qualified to be an evangelist for the lord here's what jesus says to him jesus uh, did not let him go with him but he says "Is what jesus says go home and tell your family tell them how much the lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you and verse 20 says so the man went away And began to tell in the Decapolis, which is a ten-city area, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. So here's this guy that's only met Jesus once. As far as we know, doesn't meet him again. And yet he affects a ten-city area. Because of why? Because he had a real, authentic encounter with God. You know, it makes me wonder if the reason why we need all the training programs... And all the discipleship programs and all the evangelism programs is because so many of us do not have and have not had a real touch with the Lord. Uh, And that that might sound harsh to some people, uh, and I hope it doesn't, I hope it's not, I hope it's not true, but I wonder if it is. I wonder if that's why sometimes I'm not motivated to do something, and a lot of people I know aren't motivated to do something for the Lord, is because we haven't received that real, honest, powerful touch from Him. This man did, and he went out and he blew away ten cities. They said they were all amazed when they heard what Jesus had done for them. And man, isn't that the most powerful testimony, the most powerful witness of all, is the witness of what Jesus has done for us? Man, there's no refuting that. If Jesus is really at work in our lives, there's no refuting and no disagreeing with the fruit that people see in us. And that's what happens with this guy. You know, and he has one message. You know, this guy didn't have a whole list of sermons that he could uh, count on. He had one message. That message was, Jesus changed my life. And I think that's a great message. And I, I just pray for myself and for all of us that we can have that same message and that same fire. And even without the training and the programs and all those things that sometimes we depend upon, that God can use all of us to reach the people around us it's a great responsibility but it's a great opportunity and all we need to do is just look for a touch from the Savior and you know he's not going to treat us badly you know the Bible says that it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom and you know I just pray for myself and for all of us that we'll just learn again to look for him and look to him And look to have that relationship with him so that we can go to others and say, this is what God has done for me. This is what Jesus is doing for me in my life. And I want people to know like they did for Moses. I want people to know in my life to look at me and say, that man's been with the Savior. And I hope he can do that for me, and I hope he'll do that for you too. Well, you know, that's all I have for this week. It's been great talking to you. I hope that you've been blessed and encouraged. If you have any comments or questions, you can look us up at the uh, website or the blog uh, site, which is notesfromtheway.blogspot.com or my email address, which is nftw, as in notesfromtheway, at sbcglobal.net. Until next time, I just pray that the Lord will be with you. God bless. Forever ever Auto On a weapon